Welcome to the Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sarah Purnell. And I'm Sophie Waters, and today we are looking at She is a Haunting by Trang Than Tran. She is a Haunting takes us to Dalat in Vietnam, where Jade and her sister Lily travel from the US to spend the summer with their father in a deal made by Jade to secure some money to fund her first year at university in the coming autumn. They find their father restoring an old abandoned French colonial house and everyone has to pitch in to get the house opened as a B&B before the summer is over. When a ghostly figure starts to invade Jade's dreams and give her cryptic warnings, she enlists Florence, the niece of her dad's business partner, to help her scare her dad and sister a little to convince them that what she's experiencing is real. So we've got another haunted house book. It's another haunted house, yeah. We have talked a lot about haunted houses at this point, <laughs> but I think it's it's a really different haunted house book to what we saw in the Haunted Hill House yeah definitely um it's it's definitely got some similarities to some other books that we've read oh absolutely yeah it it connects some of the books across some seasons really nicely <laughs> yeah and it's also YA whereas Hill House is obviously an adult novel so mm. that also adds an extra dynamic to the novel but before we get stuck in just going to give you a few content warnings for She Is A Haunting because it is a horror novel. So we've got body horror, colonialism, racism, fire, death, gore, violence and homophobia. And also a spoiler warning uh, because we will be talking about this book in full. All of its twists, all of its turns, all of its shocks and surprises. So if you haven't read it and you don't want to be spoiled, now is your chance to bail. But please come back. <laughs> please come back <laughs> if you're not signed up to our Substack, then you should do <laughs> so we are the dark academicals book club.substack.com and we've got kind of deep dives on certain elements of these books we've got exclusive episodes for um free subscribers and for paid subscribers and we've got some really cool content coming up we're launching a full new rebrand of the mailer in the new year which will we we will be announcing shortly so come and join us over there and there's there's lots of fun coming your way so why did we choose she is a haunting i mean as per usual we find these books floating around on dark academia lists that's usually our first port of call somebody somewhere will have underlined this book as Dark Academia, and then we go, hmm. (laughs) It also doesn't hurt that the cover for this book is stunning. It's beautiful. It's so pretty. And that always catches your eye. Also, Haunted House. But set in Vietnam. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very, very different setting Mm -hmm. to anything that we've read before. I was just trying to think, and I don't actually know if I've read a book set in Vietnam before. Which is kind of shocking, honestly. No, I don't think I have either. We have now. We have. And spoiler warning, I really, really enjoyed this book. Mm. It's one of my favourites of the season so far. We've got a solid four stars from me. I really enjoyed this book. Um, I think at first I was a little bit worried 
about where it was going. Right. Um, but then, I don't know, I was just in. I was so in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same. It's really compulsive, isn't it? Yeah. And nice and easy to read as well, because it is a YA novel. Um, mm. Yeah, good fun. Really solid read for spooky season. I believe this episode is going out on Halloween. So, uh, sorry, happy Halloween. <laughs> if you are on the off chance listening to this the day it comes out which t- gold star to you if you are <laughs> <laughs> spooky scary skeletons exactly that's just like the theme song for october it is and it is now october so as as we're recording this obviously it is just Yay. it's the first of october today so officially spooky season it's arrived we've already rambled quite a lot <laughs> It's going to be one of those episodes. (laughs) So let's get into the dark academia. So I haven't given my little ramble about um, our dark academia tropes for a few episodes. So let's do that. If you are new to the podcast or new to dark academia and you want a little bit of a rundown of what we're doing here, you can head back to our introduction to dark academia episode, which gives you the lowdown of the tropes that we've pulled from The Secret History by Donna Tartt as our framework for what makes a dark academia novel and that is what we kind of hold each of these books up to. So first up we have a higher education setting often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way. I mean no. No we are in a a kind of old abandoned house in um, De La in Vietnam. On summer break. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it has the link to the higher education in the sense that, you know, she wants to go to, to college mm-hmm. um, and it's very much off limits for her without this leg up from her dad. Yeah, so she's got a partial scholarship, um, but obviously she needs she needs that extra cash, especially to pay for, like, the first semester. And her dad has promised her that money if her and her sister go out to Vietnam for five weeks in the summer before she goes to university, um, you know, to visit because they haven't seen each other for, I think it was like four years, three or four years. Yeah. Um, and also to help him get this house that he's just bought ready um, to start taking booking. She is kind of enlisted to build the website because she's into coding and programming. So, so yeah, there is that tie there. It's just not, you know, set in in a university. No. And interestingly, by the end of the novel, she's decided she's not going to university, which is quite yeah. interesting. And a really unusual move for a book that we'd read for the podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I actually, I think the way that the, the characters have developed at the end, I think is... Uh, I thought it was really good because it could have been so easy to have it all tied up with a little ribbon, you know, even for a horror because horrors do do that sometimes. Yeah, they do. Yeah. But no, I I agree. I think um, especially although we don't see her mum that much on page, I really like the way that um, we saw the change in her relationship with Jade's relationship with her mum. Yeah. Um, I I really liked that, especially towards the end, where kind of Jade like kind of lets go of all of these secrets that she's been keeping, you know. So her mum's under the impression that she's got a full ride, 
Um, but Jade doesn't want to put the pressure on her mum to help her afford university because she, you know, already works works her butt off just to support them. Um, and she also hasn't told her that she's um, bi either. So, like, kind of that's that's another one of her, like, revelations at the end that is handled so nicely as well. Yeah. Her mum's just totally fine with it, like in a kind of well I'm your mum I, I did I did kind of know <laughs> but thank you for telling me and I love you like the the best yeah. reaction that you could hope for in that situation and it's yeah. this like threat that's been hanging over Jade for the whole novel isn't it yeah I think though it's it it handles that whole scenario so wonderfully because even though Jade's like I know my mum will accept this. Like, I know my mum will be fine with this. But it's also that little what if. Mm-hmm. And it's. I think it's more like what if something changes rather than what if she doesn't accept me. Yeah. I think it's the fear of what they have changing when obviously she appreciates and um, loves what they have. Yeah, definitely. Especially considering, like, we get a, a, a memory from when... Jade was kind of a, t- a tween, really. And she was writing in her diary about this girl that she liked. And her dad reads her diary and she's like, no. And he says, girls like boys. And that's that. Yeah. And um, that kind of changes her relationship with her dad from then on. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's <laughs> that's in, in the back of her mind. Like, that's, that's a trauma you uh, don't really get over very easily. No. And he does nothing to help that. He's <laughs> horrible. Time. I hate He's him. awful. He's utterly awful. It's just that bit at the end. I know we're skipping ahead a little bit here, but he kind of... So at the end, he jumps in to save Jade from being attacked and it ends up killing him. And there's that moment where Jade's like, you know... If only he didn't immediately regret it once he realised it, he it was going to kill him. Yeah. Because she could see it on his face. And my heart just broke for her. This horrible, horrible man. Yeah. Incredibly selfish. But yeah, that was way off topic, wasn't it? <laughs> um. So we have secret societies. No. No, but there are there is that element of it's not necessarily secret societies, but that same kind of uh, exclusive members only colonialism, which is like a mm. it's not a secret society, but it's very it's much a members a, club. It's a members club, yeah. Um, but I suppose it's not one that uh, Jade has any interest whatsoever being part of, and quite no, rightly so. No, definitely not. But I suppose, I suppose for like the likes of I can't think what they're called. Then the creepy next door neighbours. Uh, yeah, I know who you mean. I can't think what. I suppose are. it's more like for them because they want to remain in that. Um, mm. They're clinging on to a dying. Uh, I don't. Not a culture's not the right word either, but a dying uh, attitude or mindset yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. So she, um, the the woman, has a PhD in the French colonization of 
Vietnam or some element of it. Yeah. Uh, but not not necessarily from an academic point of view, from a idolizing the the changes that the French made to made to Vietnam and the buildings yeah. and, and the the in quotation marks legacy that the French left um, on the country, which is obviously incredibly and deeply gross because it was just, you know, mass murder and oppression and mm. not, no. <laughs> just it's no. Not, just um... no. <laughs> so next we have old Gothic architecture. And it wouldn't, the, the house um, isn't technically um, gothic because I think we don't really get a firm date but from like how many generations we go back into the, the family history and the story I think it probably would have been turn of the um, 20th century wouldn't it yeah um, that this kind of French colonial house was uh, made so it's, it's, it's colonial style architecturally yeah and it's also I think what uh, each room, isn't it, is has been done out in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, a fo- not faux antique, but like in a in a sense that it's done up in a certain time period in each room. Yeah, yeah. Um, or a certain decor style, I guess. Um, and I think all those elements kind of lend itself coupled with the the spooky spooks for a gothic feel rather than a gothic look oh definitely yeah especially when you've got the uh the aspect of kind of like it's it's still crumbling a bit it's still in disrepair things keep going wrong um it's surrounded by woods it's quite isolated isn't it yeah um so yeah it definitely creates that atmosphere and the fact that it's haunted helps yeah. with the, the whole gothic thing as well <laughs> yeah um, a preoccupation with classical studies latin greek literature and philosophy um we don't really have anything like that because we're, we're not in a um an education setting no i think the the preoccupation that jade has is with the haunting and uncovering the secrets of this house and her family history. Yeah, it's the history, isn't it, that she mm-hmm. kind of becomes obsessed with. Yeah. So she's basically kind of unravelling um, her family's connection to this house back to her dad's mum and their pet and her parents. Yeah. So great... So grandparents and great grandparents that she never really knew, um, because she was born in America and her dad left um, Vietnam for America when he was very young. So even he kind of didn't have much contact with anyone other than his mum via phone, really. Uh, and kind of no one's really told her kind of the the brutal truth of what it was like to live under. Um, colonization in Vietnam and specifically in that house and Jade starts to find photographs um, that 
kind of piece together the story of the family, don't doesn't she? Yeah. And it's horrific. Yeah, I did though. I thought it was really interesting um, that for once we are exploring a book where the protagonist is kind of preoccupied with a subject that is their own. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually. Because it's usually uh, like other cultures or other, mm-hmm. um, or even like another country's history that yeah. kind of preoccupies the protagonist. Whereas here, it's it's all hers. Yeah, definitely. I think that's that's really connected to um, the theme of and the idea of generational trauma in She's yeah. Haunting. It's kind of that, like, you have to unravel and understand the past in order to kind of mourn mourn it and move on kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's also one of those things that is going to be a part of her forever. Yeah. And she wants to do that story justice. She doesn't want to let it be brushed under the carpet. She, you know, very rightfully feels that the way that her family were treated in the past needs to be common knowledge it is books like this though that not that i needed a reminder but it is just another reminder how awful white people are (laughs) yeah historically especially just awful it's also i think a a stark reminder of how much we're not taught like as yeah as a british person how much we're not taught about the european colonization of asia yeah and yeah, exactly. How much like it's it's like the bare bones, you know, we're vaguely aware of it. This is a thing that happened. But it doesn't happen now, it's all fine. And it's just kind of brushed off, but it's actually not We never study it. No. When you think it's we like... study the bloody Second World War six times <laughs> in twelve we... years of education. But Yeah, but on- <laughs> only the, the European side, like it. I all I for the longest time I understood obviously that America came and got mm-hmm. involved with with our, over here at some point at the last minute at the, at the last minute <laughs> we always have to put that bit in yeah. at the last minute um <laughs> but I for a long time wasn't even aware that they were busy fighting their own war with Japan yeah I didn't know that either and I didn't know for a really long time that lots of Indian soldiers came over to fight yeah again connected to to um, like the British Empire and colonial colonialism, like yeah, I never really made that connection for a long time. It's all yeah. so intricately tied up in our history as a whole. It is, and I, I also, I'm quite ashamed that I still don't know that much about the Vietnam War either. No, I don't either. I just know, you know, I don't. <laughs> I know very little about it at yeah. all. Again, something that that we're not taught. Obviously, we have a responsibility to go and learn that stuff ourselves. That is yeah. definitely a, a something that I need to continue to do. I just also feel like uh, I know it, it again. Like it's not it's not the 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 sole job of schools, but like you just get such a narrow view of history without being told that it's wider than that. Do you know what I mean? Like, you don't have to teach us it all, but you can say there's a way of teaching that keeps your eyes open rather than it just being 
literally another lesson about um like the third reich like i don't need to do this yeah (laughs) the nuremberg trials again all very important things to learn about but there's also other history yeah (laughs) yeah it's literally the reason that i didn't study history at a level because i could not handle the thought of studying the wars again (laughs) because i checked this syllabus and it was on there again for both years and i was like no (laughs) no i'm out i'm done i mean the show showing the power of literature though when i went to university i did a uh module that was post-colonial like post-colonial literature and i can't remember what what the what the specifications of the time period was but i learned more about our history and our involvement with other countries through that one module mm-hmm. at university than the whole of the rest of my lifetime at school. Yeah, same here. I had a module um, in my master's. It was oh, maps and something. I can't remember. Maps and something. Yeah, I can't remember. And it was all about um, colonialism and post-colonial literature. And that rocked my understanding of the world, honestly. Yeah. Like, the map, did you know that the map that we use was created by the British Empire to put the UK at the centre? And it's distorted. Like, that's not actually how the continents no. sit. I didn't know that until, you know, whenever yeah, I did my you masters. Should, you, American maps have America in the middle. Mm. Um, and we're, like, teeny tiny. <laughs> yeah, and we're, we're just completely in the wrong place. And America is completely situated wrong compared to us on the versions of the map that we look at because this, to make it fit with us in the middle, yeah. it just absolutely blows my mind. The bias on everything and the fact yeah. that I made it to... How old was I when I did my master's? 27? 28? How old am I now? Yeah, 27? 26? Like, not knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> blows my mind university man life changing <laughs> life changing but you don't have to go if no you don't want absolutely to. not that is <laughs> entirely up to your preferences for me personally shall we talk about murder i'll go on then <laughs> <laughs> i mean not it's it's all it's mostly historical murder isn't it yeah um and I guess ghostly possession murder by proxy, I suppose. <laughs> because so the ghost that one of the ghosts that's haunting um, the house possesses Jade, makes her stand out in the road, and it freaks out the the weird um, American uh, racist couple. Um, and they are already driving drunk and they swerve to miss her and he dies. So, I mean, no one's stabbing him, but it, that's a bit of a blurry line, that one. Yeah. I mean, there is a lot of death in this book, quite obviously because yeah. we have ghosts. Um, but yeah, a lot of the uh, death and murder is seen through kind of like ghostly flashback yeah and dreams lots of dreams 
I find dreams can be quite heavy-handed in books sometimes, but I thought they were actually handled really, like, seamlessly in yeah. Choose a Haunting. I find them sometimes they throw me out of the story. Or it, yeah, or it's just, or it just feels too convenient. Like, oh, I learned this in a dream, but it felt... <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's because of how we met Cam the first time. Yeah. The way it kind of yeah. warped between dream and reality. Um, I think it just kind of set it up nicely for it to con- sort of continue like that. And the sleep paralysis, of course. Mm. And like, Ooh, I hate the thought of that. Oh, <laughs> makes me feel sick. I, I know, again, this is a bit off topic, but I got to the end of She is a Haunting and I was like, of course. Like, she was telling us <laughs> yeah. the whole way. But I didn't think about it <laughs> until then. <laughs> there, were, there were so many instances where Jade essentially was telling us how this was going to end. And, like... Yeah. <laughs> and yet, that is just the... Uh, kind of showcasing the author's talent, really, because... Yeah. I love books that do that, where you could reread it again mm-hmm. and be like, there, 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 there. <laughs> yeah. Kind of point all the breadcrumbs. Yeah, it's like a couple of episodes. I think it was like when you get a plot reveal and you're like, oh my God, I'm an idiot for missing that. Yeah. And that's what um, She is a Haunting does. Yeah, and I think it's because as well, like, especially with um, spooks and haunting and stuff, like, it, it. It could so easily be so many things. Mm -hmm. So you kind of end up dismissing. um, But what I just... The amount of times she mentions things like parasites and and you just go, well, you're just being a bit silly. But that (laughs) was the real reason, like, after everything. Yeah. So clever. Yeah. That's... It's kind of got a big connection to... Sylvia Moreno-Garcia's um, Mexican Gothic in that way. Yes. It's yes, that yes. really body horror focused, insidious, um, like infecting horror. Like, yeah, it's, you can always, this kind of goes into like the dark moody and or haunting vibe, but you can see it kind of creeping up and closing in around the characters on the novel, can't you? Yeah. Like the ants. Blech. <laughs> and, and she like ripped back that thing and there was all those ants oh. in the in or in the in just living in the walls in the house we're well, not living but there grim and pulling the thing out of lily's head oh my god no so gross so yeah there are some like gross moments <laughs> yeah but it's it's not um, kind of traditional horror like slasher gore it's body horror and like I looked up what it's called when it's bugs and parasites and stuff it's natural horror what? but that seems quite tame doesn't it it sounds very tame for what it actually yeah. is but yeah natural horror there you go Grim. yuck <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they it's definitely got that um that dark vibe and honestly, Jade is extremely moody. So, yeah, so, <laughs> being yeah. in her head for three hundred and fifty pages, it definitely has a moody vibe too. I definitely think, yeah, we'll go for the dark, moody, and/or haunting vibe. Gets a tick. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, hero worship of a particular figure or author. 
I don't think so. No. In this one. No. Um, I mean, she... It's not hero worship, but she definitely gets... uh, I don't know what the word is. I suppose preoccupied, but just... Very focused on individuals, but it's not like a hero worship. It's not what's necessarily motivating her and... Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like a hyperfixation almost. Yeah. Because um, she obviously becomes a little bit uh, obsessed with Cam, the ghost. Yeah. Also Florence eventually. Hmm. Um, and I think in a way, in a, in a maybe a slightly different way, she's very fixated on her mum and kind of keeping her mum away, protecting her mum and trying to minimise uh, any effect from this on her, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, more so than anyone else, I think. Yeah. I loved her mum. I thought her mum was a great character. When she comes in and just like smacks her dad on the back of the head and was like, well, I don't really know what's going on, but he that didn't look good and you're my kid, so I did what I had to do. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> I also really love Florence as well. I, I Florence like Florence. great. Yeah, definitely. I really liked the way their story ended as well. Yeah, I loved that it wasn't a happily ever after, but it wasn't like a tragic, um, I love you forever and we'll write letters across the, you know. It was a, this is really fun, I really like you. If we see each other again, that'll be really cool. Yeah. It's just that understanding that actually, no, they are 17. Yes, definitely. <laughs> like, it's it's not forever. You know, it no, was... but also who knows? It was that wonderful yeah. kind of who knows. And also, um, they only spent five weeks together. Yeah, <laughs> I think they kind of acknowledge that, though, don't they? Because they do talk about love at one point, yeah. and I think yeah. it, again that was handled with really great maturity. Mm. Definitely, I really, I really do like the way their relationship grew. Florence really challenged Jade, and the way Jade viewed her life and her family and um and vice versa i guess as well yeah yeah big fan of those two yeah so next up we have old money which will collide with new money or no money so money is an issue yeah but not in the way that we normally experience it for dark academia hmm yeah, obviously money is the driving force, the well, the initial driving force in this. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's not... Well, I mean, it, it's not in the same sense because her dad doesn't is penniless, essentially. Mm. His whole thing in getting her over there was to help him so that he could make money and then he would... Well, whether he would or wouldn't, but he would basically give her some of the profits... I don't really believe um, from no. that would have ever happened. She was no. conned into that and nearly died for it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think within... Once she's in Vietnam and they're in the house, I don't think there's really a conflict there. No. Um, 
between old money and new money or anything. It's all... Because old money in this book is colonialism money. Yeah. It's colonial money. And um, obviously no one wants anything to do with that. No. So maybe there is a little bit with the American couple. I suppose, yeah. Because they talk a lot about how... um, how difficult it is for um, foreigners to own anything in Vietnam. They can't um, file any paperwork. They can't buy a house. They can't do all of these things. I would. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked into it. But probably as a carryover from the French um, settling there and yeah. what they did to, to the culture and to the land there. And it's. I would imagine it's kind of taking ownership back of that which I really like. I yeah. like that that's a thing. Because I've never heard of that before. I like that um, it's almost like an inversion of what we normally see. Yeah, so that's true. Rather than it's like this clamouring to kind of be involved in that, like it's just a full-on rejection of that lifestyle and mm. that social status. It's like, yeah. we don't want that. <laughs> you yeah. can keep that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> So yeah, maybe there is a little bit more of that in there than than I originally yeah. thought. I retract my initial statement. I think from a from a traditional dark academia point of view, oh, it's yeah. not. Yeah. It's a non-point, but mm. but there is definitely a lot of, of money talk and money motivation and motivation. Yeah. yeah. Then we've got weather as a literary device. Um, I mean, the weather does play into it. Mm. It's but that it's, kind of, it's the heat, isn't it? And the humidity. Yeah. That kind of just hangs over the whole novel, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, I suppose, I don't know, it's not. I think it, it kind of brings about quite a pivotal moment between um, Jade and her dad when you realise, like, who her dad actually is when she's um you know her windows don't open in her room and there's obviously no air oh, con I suppose, yeah. and it, you know she's dying in that room it's so hot and he keeps promising to do it and it's been a yeah. week and he hasn't done anything she, so she goes and gets a knife to try and get like break the, the paint seal i'm assuming and yeah. to get the window up and she ends up cutting herself really badly and then she's obviously hurt herself she's in pain and obviously shock as well and she starts crying and her dad just calls her a silly silly girl yeah he just shouts at her and he's like he's like i was gonna do that or whatever it's like well but you didn't yeah (laughs) and it's like that moment when she goes back to it later she opens the window and that the flood of cool air and she immediately just feels calmer yeah i think that's quite an important um scene for her relationship with her dad and a glimpse at you know the person she grew up with and why he left i guess yeah don't get me started on that whole he the fact that he blames a 13 was she at the time a 13 year old on the breakdown of his marriage i know because if if your dad like has pulled you aside and and talking about how sad he is and how much, you know, he wants to go. Like, a 13-year-old kid is going to go, no, stay. Like, like... Yeah. And, and why, are we, why are you even listening? Like, yeah. a 13-year-old doesn't make that decision for you. It's, exactly. It's just scapegoating it. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, my child told me to go. Yeah, the child who exactly. you were supposed to be the guardian for... <laughs> 
a hormonal preteen as well. Like, yeah. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> so our final trope is underdeveloped social skills or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider. Um, um, I think the outsider thing is definitely correct. Um, yeah. That plays a lot into her experience of uh, racism and homophobia as well. Yeah. And kind of like how she identifies. So in America, she, you know, she she is American. She's grown up American and in America, um, but she's still seen as other because she has Vietnamese heritage. And in Vietnam, she is seen as a foreigner because although she is Vietnamese, she's grown up in America, so she's seen as an American. And adding on to that, her sexuality, which um, provides another sticking point for some people, it it, it pushes her outside, doesn't it? Immediately. Mm. Yeah. I mean, she definitely doesn't have any under... I don't think she's underdeveloped socially. Um, no, she's a teenager, so... I mean... <laughs> yeah, for as far... For, I mean, to be fair, for a teenager, she's she's pretty good in uh, some quite intense social situations. Yeah, it's very interesting, actually, how the way that she speaks and how the way that she acts and conducts herself changes when she's speaking to Florence or her sister compared to when she has to put on an appearance for yeah. the American couple or for, um, you know, visitors to the property or to other adults. I think that's really interesting. Um, and like that level of performance, mm. I guess that applies to kind of her position as an outsider, but also just as a teenager and as a woman too. Yeah. Like, you know, putting the different mask on for different situations. Hmm. And I think that's quite interesting. Yeah, it was quite. It was cleverly done. It was. It was subtle. Yeah, definitely. Um, but you can still see the shift. Yeah, absolutely. These, quite obvious in um, her clothes as well. It's often kind of weighted by what she's wearing. That change yeah. in persona, which is interesting. Those smock dresses that just kept coming out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> her red one and her sister's watermelon print yeah. one. Like the one kind of nice outfit, otherwise they've just got shorts and t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Was there anything else that you wanted to bring up about the book? I don't think so. I think that it is a very clever book and I think that more people should read it. I agree. It's such a strong debut. Definitely. Really strong. And I think it only came out this year, so we don't have any news on what um, Trunk and Trans bringing out next, but I will read it. <laughs> sure. I will read it. I will read it. Like, I really enjoyed this. I thought it was really strong. It's a perfect spooky season read. I know it is, you know, drawing to a close, but quite frankly, you could be spooky all year. It should be. Agreed. Stay spooky. <laughs> the motto of today's episode, stay spooky. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it Dark Academia? No. No, it's YA horror. Um, more specifically, I guess, like, natural slash fungal horror. That type mm. of, that type of thing. Um, 
but it definitely has really strong connections with Dark Academia, like a lot of horror and haunted house um, novels do. Yeah, definitely. So next episode, we are going to be reading Summer Suns by Lee Mandelo. Lee Mandelo's debut, Summer Suns, is a sweltering queer southern gothic that crosses Appalachian street racing with academic intrigue, all haunted by a hungry ghost. Andrew and Eddie did everything together. Best friends bonded more deeply than brothers until Eddie left Andrew behind to start his graduate programme at Vanderbilt. Six months later, only days before Andrew was to join him in Nashville, Eddie dies of an apparent suicide. He leaves Andrew a horrible inheritance, a roommate he doesn't know, friends he never asked for, and a gruesome phantom that hungers for him. As Andrew searches for the truth of Eddie's death, he uncovers the lies and secrets left behind by the person he trusted most, discovering a family history soaked in blood and death. Whirling between the backstabbing academic world where Eddie spent his days and the circle of hot boys, fast cars and hard drugs that ruled Eddie's nights, the walls Andrew has built against the world begin to crumble and there is something awful lurking, waiting for those walls to fall. It sounds so good. It sounds so good. <laughs> and I love Southern, Go- Southern Gothic. I love it. So yeah, I'm yeah, really yeah. curious to see how this is going to tackle that. And how it plays into Dark Academia, too. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening to today's episode um, about She is a Haunting by Trangathan Tran. And if you have enjoyed the episode, we would appreciate if you follow, subscribe, do whatever your platform listening podcast allows you to do so you don't miss any episodes. Um, and sign up to our mailer at the Dark Academicals Book Club. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.